Hi FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. It is 8.16. I'm Howard Feldman. This is Your Morning Mayhem. It's 101.9 Hi FM, the, the multi-party conference. I think it's actually a very, very important, a very important conversation because this is potentially the future of the country. Make the circle bigger, 51% election poll target forces, moonshot pack t- to widen the alliance. So the Patriotic Alliance has largely uh, sidelin- been sidelined from the coalition talks, uh, but uh, they might be joining as well. So these seven parties, the DA, the IFP, Action SA, Freedom Front Plus, Isanko, UIM, and Spectrum National Party agreed to broaden the alliance after the first day of the national convention that was in Kempton Park. That was Wednesday and Thursday. So election projections were presented at the convention, and the fundamental dilemma identified for the coalition named the multi-party Charter. So that's uh, what it's going to be called, the multi-party party charter of uh, South Africa. And uh, that is obviously this po- charter and this multi-party alliance is looking to achieve a 51% majority in the next general elections. And that uh, I think this is critical. Absolutely vital. So it's going to be fascinating to see, and we're going to be chatting to John Steenhuisen in just a moment. But uh, the the way forward, and of course the way in which the parties work together, is absolutely vital. The question, of course, is one of leadership. John Steenhuisen being the leader of the largest party, but what does that mean? Does that mean that he would potentially become president of South Africa? Would that work? Is South Africa ready? For a white president. Now, it's, it's a very, very scary thought to wonder uh, if a person could be president or not be president on the basis of his race, because surely that's something we've tried to move away from. But, uh, but of course, there are the realities of the past. So it's, it's, it's a very, very interesting conversation and one that I'm actually quite uncom- not uncomfortable about, but quite perplexed about because of course we recognize the damage of apartheid and we recognize that we're in a particular mess because we have maybe entrenched race in South Africa uh, instead of working towards a truly multiracial society. But does that mean that the country would be ready for a white president, for example, in the form of John Steenhuisen. Very perplexing indeed. John, a very good morning. Thank you for joining us as you as you always do. How are you doing? It's been quite a week for you. Yeah, it's been a very interesting interesting two days and obviously a culmination of, uh, of a three to four month process beforehand. Um, forgive me, I've, uh, I think I've lost my voice somewhat, but... Um, it's, yeah, it went very, very well, and I'm very pleased with the outcome. Obviously, it's the beginning now of a wider process that was involved now going out and involving civil society and obviously growing support for the Charter uh, as we go forward and to see um, how we can get over that 50% plus one hurdle next year. Right. So so the parties involved um, the is the DA, IFP, Action, SA, FF+, Isanko, UIM, Spectrum National Party, and uh, is the is the Patriotic Alliance part of it now as well? No, um, they're not part of it. Um, we said that we if we open up to other parties and invite them to join, but they've got to 
meet the thresholds of the values and principles set that uh, was adopted this week um, and not only subscribe to but act according to those. So any new party wanting to sign up to the Charter would have to uh, meet the thresholds of that. So um, any new party decides to make application, but new parties then need to find consensus about whether those parties um, subscribe and act according to the values mm-hmm. and principles contained there. And these things are like commitment to no corruption, making sure we're having clean, accountable administrations, um, non-racialism um, and, and the like. So it's going to be very important that, that you don't just build a hodgepodge of parties uh, that are opposed to the ANC, but rather you have the values and principles mm. as the foundational set around which people can coalesce. Otherwise, it just becomes inherently unstable. Well, exactly. And certainly we've seen that uh, anyone who follows Israeli politics and coalition governments there, uh, the scary thing is you often have a kingmaker with a very, very small percentage, but who holds greater power than they should because of their ability to form or collapse the coalition. Uh, it's, It's potentially the same thing here. How have you tried to manage in advance away from that uh, potential risk? Well, obviously what you want to do, and and this is one of the reasons why I announced in April this year that we should start a process, Mm. is that a lot of the problem and instability that's come uh, out of coalitions, uh, particularly in a place like Joburg, was that those coalitions had to be cobbled together in a very tight two-week period. Uh, You know, in the fog of of war following an election result and uh, a rush to try and meet deadlines. Let's rather front load um, these issues and spend the next 13 months ironing out potential problems, mm. screening out potential problems, uh, areas, and coming to far broader consensus. So when we do come to the election day and the result is announced and the chips fall where they are, we are able to move together and forward in a coherent principle basis um, with hopefully many of those issues resolved um, rather than becoming obstacles in that two-week period. I mean, political parties, although there are similar threads through most of them, some greater or lesser, they they by nature adversarial. It, how how does the tone change when you're sitting in a two-day conference with the goal of trying to achieve an outcome? I'm fascinated by by the dynamics because they could be quite entrenched before you get into that room. Yeah, well, I mean, politics is a contact sport, mm, so mm. Uh, you know, it's, you're absolutely right. But I think that resting on the on the shoulders of all of the leaders in the meeting, and certainly over the last few months, is the suffering of South Africa and its people. Mm, mm. Uh, we can certainly squabble about petty differences, mm. but I mean, the country is in a, in a dreadful state. Forty-two um, percent of our people don't have work. Thirty million people live below the poverty line. Seventy-five people murdered every single day. An economy that's not growing. The lights are off. This is a, a hinge of history moment, and I think resting on all of the leaders' shoulders was the need to balance personal and partisan political interests with what is actually in the best interest of the country. And the reality is it doesn't matter what the color of your party T-shirt is. If the country goes down the tubes, we're all going down together. Um, and so that, I think, has been, been there. But I think it's also important to say that we're not naive. Um, this is a contested terrain. And each of the parties will be retaining its own political identity. It's not a new party that's been formed. Mm, mm. And each party will have to go out and maximize their votes. But we did have discussions around how we could potentially 
uh, ensure that we campaign in a way that's constructive, that's factually based, that focuses on the issues rather than on personalities and on ways in which, in some instances, we can initiate joint campaigns to show that, yes, while we may have different positions on some matters, there are far more that unites us than divides us going forward. Yeah, it's quite interesting because in some ways then it, it does become by nature less adversarial because if somebody votes, for example, for Action SA and they win that seat and they become part of this and they are part of this moonshot, well, it, obviously it, it does change the balance of power within the group, but to, to some extent it's still achieving the same purpose. Well, of course, but I mean, obviously I'm going to be going out and making an argument why the DA needs to be strong. Sure. Right. Because you need a, a strong anchor in, in a coalition. Mm. Um, and that's the problem in Johannesburg. You, you know, there's no strong anchors there that are able, with enough electoral support, to really put together something coherent and stable. So I think the DA's track record in government, I think its record in parliament, and its record in other uh, cities where we govern, is going to be integral for the reform agenda that's going to require to be driven. So, you know, I will be going out and making, making the case why people should vote for the DA. Mm, mm. But obviously what we're hoping is that the whole will become greater than the sum of the parts, and particularly areas where maybe the DA may not be have, have reached, for instance, far rural KwaZulu-Natal, the IFP will be able to go in there and, and clean up maybe some parts of Gauteng. Uh, other parties may be stronger and able to maximize the vote there. But it's going to come down to two things, Howard. It's going to come down to whether the, the charter can make a compelling alternative offer to the people. And secondly, then it's going to be over to the people of South Africa. The 27 million people who did not vote in the last election. To consider the magnitude of that. Mm. Mm. It changes five, everything. It, it, it really, one million votes. Yeah, just get if pe- we can, get for the first to time, tell yeah. those people that actual vote does count. Um, you know, yeah. it's not the election, it's not a foregone conclusion. A lot of people in that 27 million being saying, well, you know, the ANC is going to win anyway. What's the point to me going to vote? I'm either going to go to the beach or, you know, mm, my family mm. uh, or go on holiday. Now they've got a reason right. to come out to vote because next year's election is it's a, not a foregone conclusion. All bets are off and anything can happen. And it's so we're going to require crucial. those South yeah. Africans yeah. to, to be activated and be part of the solution. John, a very difficult question for you, and one that I was debating a little bit earlier on the show, is the is the the fact is that the DA is the strongest party in this uh, in this movement, uh, which could place you in a position to become president of the country, and whether we like but whether we like it or not, your and as much as it, it, it sticks in our throats. Race is still an issue, and race is still an issue largely because parties like the ANC and the EFF have continued to make it an issue. But the reality in the country is, reasons aside, it's still there. What does that mean to you personally? Uh, because to some extent, you've got this decision that says, well, if I, uh, I, might, uh, I might be the perfect person, but could it impact negatively simply because... I'm a white guy. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, I think it's, it's unfortunate we still have these dynamics in the country, but where I am greatly hearted is that non-racialism has been put at the heart of the charter. And uh, it's not necessarily ruled out that, you know, I won't be the president. Uh, it's not, it doesn't say that explicitly. Mm-hmm. It says that, you know, should the, the leader of the largest party is not necessarily the presidential candidate, 
and that if the you know the leader of the largest party is not the presidential candidate, the position of leader of government business is goes to the largest party. Right. So that door is still open. However, the point I've made from the very beginning is that you know it's odd to have a presidential candidate in a parliamentary system. First of all, right. Uh, secondly. Um, if we're going to have a presidential candidate, let's find somebody who's going to be a game changer, who's going to add to that whole being greater than the sum of the parts, who's going to be able to inspire more South Africans. That could be somebody who's not necessarily in the political sphere at this time, uh, but who could emerge as a game changer to enthuse and activate particularly those 27 million people out there. So everything in the, in the charter is designed to try and maximize as much as possible the reach and growth of the votes to get us over that 51% line. Uh, I'm less fussed about you know, whether I'm fit in the presidency's office um, than you know, being passionately committed to getting this reform agenda off the ground because this is where, where Cyril Ramaphosa has let the country down. Mm. And this is why the new dawn fizzled out because it was words, not action. Had he backed the new dawn up with a legislative program, an exciting, vigorous reform agenda driven through Parliament, um, I think that we wouldn't be sitting with the situation we do now where he's a lame duck and his programs have turned into pie in the sky. I think that what the Charter is going to have to do from day one is have a legislative agenda that it relentlessly drives through Parliament to reform the labour laws, to fix the education system, to reintroduce anti-corruption uh, crime-fighting agencies like the Scorpion, to ensure that we recapacitate the South African Police Service, that we depoliticize the public civil service. Those things are all going to require set pieces of legislation to do. And that's where the rubber's going to hit the road, I believe, and it's going to be the success or failure of a new government going forward. John Steenhuisen, very, very inspiring indeed. Well done for this uh, battle and uh, for the passion that you have for not only uh, for politics, but in fact for all of us in South Africa. John Steenhuisen, leader of the DA, talking to us about the multi-party charter.